You're listening to the weekly podcast by Forest Hill Church. Here you'll find a place to grow in your faith, get to know what the Bible's all about, and hear what it looks like to follow Christ. To watch our services live or find the campus nearest you, visit foresthill.org. If you're a parent, search for our new Forest Hill Parenting Podcast and subscribe to get new content tailored just for you. Lemonade International is a ministry located in the largest slum in Central America. It's an area called La Limonada to create a safe space for children. They create these academies that give the children half a day's education because that's all they get from the public schools or half a day. So La Limonada provides this opportunity for them to connect with children and their families to provide not only education, but they also give spiritual care and tell them about the good news of Jesus Christ. They not only do that, but they also care for their emotional needs by having psychologists on staff and also their medical needs and their dental needs as well. We are called to go well beyond our walls to live in relational ministry in the areas that we find ourselves in, whether it's Waxaw or in a place called La Limonade. But we want to go out into the world and be part of what God's doing by showing the world how much God loves them. And you know, we're such a generous church. We have uh, been able to fund our church in Waxaw, and it's from all our campuses, and, and we've watched our building come out of the ground, and we've seen us grow from just 100 people on our first Sunday to well over 1,000 people now on a regular basis, and it's so exciting to see what God's done. And while He's done that, He also has provided for this amazing, generous spirit to allow us to fully fund the fourth academy at La Limonada called Taranja. And this Taranja Academy, it was coming out of the ground and opening just right as we were as well as our campus here in Waxhaw. So as we look toward the future and what can happen, uh, it's amazing to see how God uses people just showing up, just showing up and being faithful. And God uses that to change lives, to show the world that He loves people because we go. We go to places like Waxhaw. We go to places like Guatemala City. We go all around the world and to our next door neighbor's house to show people how much they're loved. Just briefly, if you don't know, each one of our six campuses has a partner in the Caribbean area, mostly so that each campus can send firsthand people to actually do the ministry on short-term missions trips. We think that's very important to get a feel for what it's like to be on the mission field. But also sometimes there is a big project. We take Forest Hill Global, all of our campuses together, giving to the common budget, and fund something that we think is very important. Uh, Waxaw's partner is in Guatemala. The largest slum in Central America is in Guatemala. There's a wonderful lady who's entitled the Mother Teresa of Guatemala who has built three schools in those slum areas to help educate children because the truth is the best way to escape poverty is giving a poor kid, an education. The fourth school was built by Forest Hill Global in Guatemala. We gave $150,000 to build the fourth school that's overseen by our guest today. Tita, thank you for being with us today. Would you welcome her to Forest Hill Church? It's my honor to be here. You, you know, I, she's nicknamed the Mother Teresa of Guatemala. And before we came out, I mentioned to her that Mother Teresa has a great quote that to be faithful means oftentimes like being a pencil in the hands of God. Isn't that a great quote? And then you said to me, not just a pencil, but sometimes. A hammer. <laughs> sometimes a hammer. 
that's got to do God's will in a tough way, too, and you have done that. Um, Describe your work, if you would, please. Your work in Guatemala, what is it that you do among the children there? Okay, um, it's a very, very dangerous area. It's a red zone, and um, it's uh, ruled by gangs and many drug dealers and a lot of kids. Uh, the population is 60,000-plus people in a, like, mile-long and very narrow, like, less than a quarter of a mile um, narrow. And... Um, at the beginning, we start working with gangs, mem- gang members, and um, suddenly, um, again, um, one guy burned his wife and ten years old daughter, mm. and um, I found myself crying out to God, like, uh, how can we be on time, like, be before they are crooked, you know? And then God gave me uh, the vision, the mission to invest in prevention. So what we do is prevention. We are in every uh, one of the academies, we have psychologists. And because we have 80% of our children have been abused. And um, so we provide them with a meal. It's the only meal they are going to have. And uh, by Fridays, we give them, like, a best meal because we don't know what's going to happen Saturday and Sunday. And on Monday, we receive them with a a best meal, too. Um, We provide them with Bible class every single day, moral and spiritual values, vitamins, brushing their teeth, things that for sure they are going to have it with us just once a day. We're starting a series this month entitled Victory about how to have prayer that wins. Would you talk for a second, please, about the importance of prayer in your ministry that helps open the doors for the Lord to give you victory? Um, can I read a scripture or maybe you want to read it? Absolutely, please do. Um, Mark 3. Mark 3. 13, I'm going to read it. I'm sorry for my English. Um, Keep encouraging her, guys. Encourage her. Come on now. Come on. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted. So if you're here, he has called you because he wants you. And they came to him. He appointed 12, designing Designing, designating them apostles that they might be with him. And then it says, and that they might be sent out to preach and all the other things. But the first thing is that we might be with him. And most of the time we make the agenda and we say, follow me, Jesus. But Jesus has said in, in Matthew 28, follow me. So he's the one that has to make the agenda. And then we must follow him. So the number, the number one thing is to be connected with him, to, to wait on him, 
uh, we believe the power in, in, the, in the word and in prayer. But prayer is where everything begins mm -hmm. yeah, or ends. Well, with that in mind, that prayer is where everything begins, I'd like to pray for you and then teach all of our campuses for the next four weeks on how to have prayer that gives victory, prayer that wins, prayer that has answers, because it's through prayer that God has his power unleashed. In Jesus' name, Tita, I pray for the power of Jesus to continue to be upon you. May his life continue to fill you. May you walk closely with him. May you pray and depend incessantly upon him. And may he continue to open doors for churches like Forest Hill and others to support you and to feed the children, clothe the children, give them vitamins, but also give them Jesus, which is the hope they need the most. I pray this in his name. Amen. Would you thank her for being with us again today? Thank you, my dear friend. Thank you. From the word of the Lord, Luke the 11th chapter, verses 1 through 4, out of reverence for the reading of the scripture, if you're able, would you please stand? And I was able to go to Dr. Graham's funeral on Friday, and I'll never forget Ann Graham Lotz, his daughter, saying, you know, my dad believed every word of this book to be true. Didn't understand it all, but he believed it all. So do I, folks, because if a part of it isn't true, then none of it's true. This is the word of the Lord. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. So over this next month, I'm going to give you four words to have prayer that gives victory. Prayer that wins. Prayer that gets your prayers answered. And those four words are today recipe... I'm going to give you six ingredients. If you can imagine a pot boiling for food and you have six ingredients you're going to add to that pot and stir it for how to get victory in your prayers. Uh, next week, the word is going to be impudence. I'll explain that. Third week, persistence, learning how to wait. And fourth, relinquishment, when you learn how to relinquish prayers and still trust. But are you ready today for the recipe on how to pray, let's look at this together. Amazingly, at Dr. Graham's funeral on Friday, before he died, he was asked the question, if you would do one thing different in your ministry. Now, now you're talking about a guy who preached to 200 million people live. And some have suggested maybe 2.2 billion people around the world via the internet and other ways. He was asked if he could do one thing differently in his ministry, what would he change? His answer was, I'd pray more. I'd pray more. Because he realized there was a power in prayer that he needed to garner yet for himself. Now, the definition of insanity 
is keeping on doing the same thing, expecting different results, right? Some of you are insane in the way you're praying. You're praying rote prayers. You're simply reciting, for example, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. And thinking that's going to give you results. Or five Our Fathers and four Hail Marys. When Jesus clearly said, don't do rote prayers. Don't merely repeat them with no heart in it. Prayer is simply a conversation with God. That's all it is, folks. It's not rocket science. It's something anybody can do, no matter how great or unspiritual you may be. It's a conversation with God. I imagine myself a lot sitting on a park bench with Jesus next to me and his arms around me, and we just have a long conversation. And sometimes I tell him, I don't like the way he's doing things. And he understands. And he tells me, David, there's some things in your life I don't like what you're doing either. And I listen. But that's what prayer simply is. It's a conversation. Now, with the Bible, we see that prayer is supposed to open up the hands of God in power. For example, in James 5.16, I I like to win. Anybody like to win? I don't like to lose. When I played basketball all those years, I didn't like to lose. This whole thing about A pretty win? What a lie. No such thing as a pretty win or an ugly loss. A loss is a loss. I don't like losses. I like to win. So Jesus said in his word, James 5.16, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. That, That a part of the church should be people confessing their sins to one another, being set free from their guilt, having grace poured on their wounds, and then having healings occur. Then he says, the prayer of a righteous person has great, what folks? Has great power as it is working. And you know who's righteous in this room? Anybody who believes in Jesus. Who believes in Jesus? Then you've been declared righteous in the sight of God. It's not what you do, it's what's been done for you in Jesus. And if you are a righteous person, you are fervent prayers. Not now I lay me down to sleep. Your fervent prayers avail much. They have great power. Then Jesus himself said in Matthew 21, 22, read this one with me. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have. Now you need to know this. Prayer doesn't have any power. Prayer is a vehicle. That delivers faith to the throne room of God. Prayer is a vehicle that delivers faith to the throne room of God. So your idle prayers mean nothing, but the prayer of faith is heard by God. He loves the prayer of faith, that believes his promises are true, and clings to them no matter what you may feel or your circumstances may dictate. Whatever you ask in prayer, what does that mean? Whatever. It's a phrase today, isn't it? A lot of young people, hey, how you doing today? Oh, whatever. You know, God says, how you doing today? We should say, whatever I ask. With faith, through prayer, you hear. And this kind of prayer wins. It, it gives victory. So the disciples of Jesus that, that Peter read about looked at Jesus' life. And they saw some things that 
They took note of. For example, when he prayed at his baptism, the heavens opened up and a dove came down and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. They noticed that the night before he chose his 12 disciples, he did what? He spent the night in prayer. They noticed that when he spoke to a demon in the name of the Almighty God, the demon fled. They noted that when he prayed and laid hands on people, they were healed from the power from on high. And they looked at Jesus' prayer life, that, that he prayed all the time in certain places. He retreated often to pray and got away from them. He had a certain place where he loved to go, like, like my wife. She has a place in our living room. She just loves to go and pray. And if I walk through, she says, close the door and get out of here in the name of Jesus. This is my place. And so you know what I do? I go to my place. There's a place that the disciples noted where Jesus prayed. And they concluded one thing. The reason his life has power, the reason his life gets results is because of his prayer life. His prayers of faith. So they went to him one day in Luke 11, 1, and they saw him praying in a certain place. And after he'd finished, one of his disciples, don't know who, but one of them probably left non-identifiable so all of us could relate. He went to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. A plus B equals C. Jesus prayed. He got answers. Disciples concluded it was because he prayed with faith. So they went to him and said, you know how to pray. <laughs> we don't know how to pray. You pray and get results. We pray, we don't get results. So teach us to pray. John the Baptist taught his disciples how to pray. It was evidently something that rabbis in that day did. They would teach their followers how to pray. Jesus, you get results. The reason you get results, we've concluded, is because of your prayers of faith. Teach us how to pray. And Jesus responded with a recipe for how to pray. Folks, it was never intended to be a rote way of praying. This prayer should not be called the Lord's Prayer. It should be called the Disciples' Prayer. For it was not meant for Jesus to learn how to pray. It was meant for you and me, who are his followers, to learn how to pray. And there's a recipe that he gave. And it has six ingredients in it for how to pray. And for some of you who say, prayer for me is like blowing smoke in the air. It doesn't work. For some of you who say, David, my prayers don't go any higher than the ceiling. For some of you who say, David, I can't pray for three minutes without my mind wandering to X, Y, Z. Jesus gives us a recipe, line for line, an ingredient for how to pray. And if you'll follow this, folks, you can pray for upwards to 30 minutes to an hour to two hours, and it will fly by. And it's a prayer that works. It's the disciples' prayer in response to one disciple asking the question, Lord, teach us, please, how to pray. So Jesus responds with this first word, when you pray. Notice, he did not say, if you pray. Every follower of Jesus is expected to pray. We're expected to know that the power rests in prayer. So Jesus says, when you pray, not if you pray, it's not optional. Prayer's the power that moves the hands of God. 
Then he said, and when you pray, you need to know for the rest of this message, the you in all of these lines is plural. Implying that we're going to pray together in community. That it's not just individuals who use this prayer, but in our life groups, we should be praying this recipe together. In our families, together, we should use this recipe as prayer. And as we gather to worship, we should use this recipe together to pray. So what are the six ingredients that Jesus wants to drop into this stew today? What's this recipe of prayer he wants to give us to help us have prayer that gives victory, that prayer that wins? Let me ask you just one time before I start. Do any of you want your prayers to have more victory? Do you? Well, then let's jump in and see what Jesus taught us to pray with his disciples, noting it was prayer that gave the victory. First of all, it starts with God first. Did you hear me? Jesus' recipe for how to pray starts with God, not us. Now, when we pray, too many of our prayers are this. God, gimme, 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 gimme. It starts with all of our needs. Now, that's not bad. We're going to get to that. But God's not a slot machine. He's the almighty creator of the universe. And the prayer that works starts with God, not us. So the first thing that should be prayed is Father. Father. That's the word in the Greek. The word in the Aramaic that was also used was Abba, which means daddy. So you start by looking at God and calling him father. And I know for some of you that you had really bad dads, and this is hard for you. And I don't mean to be cruel, but here I'm going to say this as nicely as I know how. Get over it. Get over it. You know, when I was raising my kids, I used to think, well, my mom and dad, particularly dad, didn't do these things right with me. I'm going to do better. You know what I did? I did some things better than dad did, and I did some things worse than dad did. Because every one of our families is dysfunctional, isn't it? You were raised by a dysfunctional dad. Get over it. And the whole purpose of Jesus coming was to disassociate ourselves from our earthly dads. Now, don't misunderstand. I think it's really important for earthly dads to be godly dads. And, and my kids can learn a lot about the heavenly father through me. I get that, and it's very important. But the way you really understand the Father in heaven is not by looking at an earthly dad. It's by looking at Jesus. Jesus came to tell you who the Father in heaven is. And he is a daddy. So every place your earthly daddy failed you. For the ways I failed my kids, guess what? Your heavenly daddy won't. And you're supposed to focus on him first and think about who he is. Now think about a really good dad. What is he? He's kind. He's gracious. He's a good, good father. That's who he is. He's forgiving. He's unconditionally loving. He's merciful. Doesn't give us what we deserve. His hands are always outstretched to to welcome us home, no matter what it may be. At Dr. Graham's funeral on Friday... One of his daughters rebelled against him and went through two bad marriages. And she was so afraid after the second one when he warned her, don't 
marry that guy. She did anyway. And within weeks, it broke apart. She went to see him. She drove up the driveway so fearful of how he was going to treat her. And he was there waiting for him, guess what, with arms wide open and said, honey, I love you so much, you're forgiven. That's the father I believe in. That's the father painted in the Bible. And that's why we're to begin there with all of our prayers. Father, Abba, Daddy, you're so good. And just dwell on that for a while. The goodness of the Father. And and then the second ingredients. Holy is your name. This God, though a daddy, though loving, though our Abba, he is holy, hallowed. The word means different. Now what's this uh, emphasizing? That we're to spend some time just thinking about the greatness of God do that think about his greatness and his his majesty and that he's wholly different than we are think about his power and his might contemplate the thunderbolt and the lightning contemplate a hurricane (laughs) contemplate a tornado contemplate the power of God So on the one hand, he's a loving, close, intimate daddy, but he's also very different than we are. He's majestic and powerful and great in every way. And that's his name. A person's name in Jesus' day was his or her character. The the name exemplified the character. So you, you spend some time thinking about God as Abba, Father, his greatness and his character is all these things you've just been contemplating. Now, I probably ought to say this at this point. You need to know this prayer is only for people who believe in Jesus. I don't mean to be exclusive. The Christian faith is the most inclusive faith in the world. Anybody can come to Jesus and be saved. His name was Savior. Have you ever thought about the fact that God the Father is probably the only father ever who's named after his son? The name Jesus means Savior. Glorious Savior. But the only people who are able to pray this prayer are those who have the narrow, exclusive entrance into the family of the Father through Jesus, his Son. John 1.12 says that for those who receive Jesus, they have the right to be called children of God. It's kind of like Henry Ford invented the Ford automobile. He didn't invent the Mustang. That within the Ford family, there's the Mustang. Within all the people in the world who are created in the image of God, they're part of the family of God generally, but there is a specific family for people who love Jesus. Now, why is that important? Because all of us have sinned, folks. All of us have fallen far short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death, and if we don't repent, we're going to spend eternity separated from the Father. So the Father gave Jesus his Son, the name Savior, to die on the cross for our sins, and when we accept him, we're adopted into his family. We now have his name. Don't we? Jesus is written all over my heart. And and when I would go out on dates in high school, and I think I had one of them in high school. Anyway, when I would go out on dates, my daddy would always say to me, son, remember who and whose you are. That across your chest is written Chadwick. Across your chest is written Jesus. And you represent us and him out there. So don't do anything stupid. When, When you are out in the world, you have Jesus' name written on you along with your own personal family. But the family of God called Jesus, 
And, and when you're in his family and adopted into his family, you're an heir of everything that he owns and you have his name and therefore you can pray this prayer. Father, holy is your name and I carry your name. So spend some time on that one in your prayer time. Then the third ingredient, your kingdom come. In, in Matthew's version of this prayer, which is a little more fleshed out, Matthew says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Same principle. So what you do is you spend some time with the Lord saying, Father, Abba, Daddy, how holy is your name. I want your kingdom to come to this earth. What is the kingdom of God? It was the major theme that Jesus preached on. It means the reign of God. And Jesus is the king. Jesus is the king and his kingdom is his reign. Biblically, Genesis 1 and 2 is when the kingdom operated perfectly. Genesis 3, sin came into the world, and the kingdom is now a kingdom of darkness under the evil one. Now, it's going to be reclaimed one day when Jesus comes back again. Anybody looking forward to that day? And when he comes back again, what he'll establish is the kingdom of original intent, Genesis 1 and 2. That day's yet to come. We're still living in a broken, fallen kingdom of darkness, aren't we? And anytime anybody comes to faith, they come out of the kingdom of darkness into his kingdom of light. So Jesus said, pray that God's kingdom that exists in heaven, where his will now is perfectly being done, will come to this earth. So folks, you can spend hours praying for war to end. Pray that sex trafficking will end. Pray that clean water will go to places where it's needed. Pray that people will have food to eat. They'll be alleviated from drugs and the opioid epidemic, which is rampaging across America. That we pray that porn and racism and orphans and poverty and pain and disease and death will stop. We pray that. We pray his kingdom would come to this darkened kingdom here. So you spend some time praying for the kingdom to come in the world. And you spend some time praying that the kingdom would come in me. Father, holy is your name. Kingdom reign in my heart. King Jesus reign in me. Shut up my tongue from slander. Solve my self-righteousness. Stop the porn that I'm addicted to, the alcohol, the drugs, the shame, guilt, depression, kingdom come where none of those things exist. Lord, reign and rule. And kingdom, save people's souls. I came out of that funeral on Friday with a new commitment to the Great Commission. And every time any one of us who loves Jesus proclaims Jesus to any person who doesn't know him, we're continuing the work of Dr. Billy Graham. And Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. It's not optional, folks. It's a command to all of us who follow Jesus. And we should regularly pray, kingdom come to that person in my life, in my sphere of influence, in my family who does not know you. Kingdom come. Bring them to yourself, King Jesus. Don't let them be 
separated you from eternity. Kingdom come. And we should pray for the second coming. In the book of Revelation, we're to pray Maranatha, which means, come Lord Jesus. Who prays that? I pray it. Lord, come back again. Then someone says to me, do you know all the fun you're going to miss? Let me tell you something. It ain't going to be better than heaven. It ain't going to be better than the reestablished kingdom of Genesis 1 and 2 here on earth. So come, Lord Jesus, and get rid of this mess. I pray that. The Bible says we're supposed to pray that. Next ingredient, daily provision. Give us today our daily bread. Isn't it interesting? Not tomorrow. Our prayer every day should be, Lord, just meet my needs today. You know, one of the biggest reasons a lot of you are living in fear, you're thinking about tomorrow. Jesus will meet you tomorrow. You just pray today. Lord, today, just meet my needs. When my head hits the pillow tonight, I'm going to be confident that you're going to have every one of my daily provisions met. Physical bread, whatever I need physically, whatever I need emotionally. And Lord Jesus, you said you are the bread of life. And in you, I find my sufficiency. I'm not going to covet anything that anybody else has. I'm just going to enjoy you, my Jesus, the bread of life. Daily provision, the next ingredient. Fifth, daily pardon. Jesus says, you know, Father, forgive us our sins, for we ourselves, everyone who is indebted to us. So, so you spend some time in confession. You do the warfare against the devil of confession because if he can keep you condemned about your sin, he's going to paralyze your life and you're going to forever live in guilt and shame. So you practice daily. It's not only daily bread, it's also daily provision and pardon. You spend time confessing your sins every day because, folks, we confess our sins every day because we need to confess them every day, don't we? We pick up new stuff. As we live in these broken bodies, in this broken world, under the bondage, this world of sin, death, and the devil. So we confess. And here's the key. We know that God's paid off our eternal debt, billions. So therefore, we're going to spend some time in our prayer closets praying for those who've hurt us. Now, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to get some angry emails, I know, so go ahead and write them. I'm going to delete them the minute you write them. If you hate Donald Trump... Your prayers aren't being heard by God. If you hate Obama, your prayers aren't being heard by God. I'm telling you, folks, if you're holding anger, bitterness, and hatred against anybody as a child of God in Jesus, against anyone, that boss who fired you, that spouse who left you, that person who hurt you, no matter who it may be, if you're holding bitterness against that person and you've not forgiven them, your prayers are hindered. In 1 Peter 3, it says, you husbands who are arguing and bickering with your wife, your prayers aren't being answered. So spend some time receiving anew the billion-dollar debt the Father paid off in Jesus. His name means Savior, remember? And then spend some time forgiving those people who've hurt you. In comparison, it's a $5 debt in comparison to the $5 billion debt God paid off for you. You are hindering your prayers if you hold bitterness and unforgiveness in your hearts. Can I be more specific? So you spend time releasing it. And then you have daily protection. You do know, don't you, you have an enemy who absolutely despises you. 
If you are a child of Jesus, he hates you. And he does constant game films on you. When, when I played basketball at a pretty high level, we would spend constant hours looking at the game films of our opponents. And we would explore their weaknesses so that we could do what? Beat them. The devil spends constant hours looking at your game films. And he sees where you're weak. He sees those places of vulnerability. And after he sees them, he attacks them over and over again every single day. So you spend time praying for daily provision, daily pardon, and daily protection. You pray this prayer. When you invited Jesus to live in your heart, the third person of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit lives within you. The Holy Spirit lives within you. The very presence of Jesus lives within you. So here's your prayer every day. Father, in Jesus' name, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that's how I start most all of my prayers. Father, Abba, Daddy, in Jesus' name, by the power of your Holy Spirit, lead me away from temptation. Take me away from any place where the devil has set a trap for me, where he's got a snare for me. Lead me away, please. Because if the Holy Spirit guides my heart, will he not hear that prayer? And if the devil's laid the snares, the Holy Spirit leads me away from those snares, and I don't have to get ensnared. If you do get ensnared, by the way, go to Matthew 6. That's why you should pray, deliver us from the evil one. And in the power of the name of Jesus, you get delivered. Isn't that good news? So you pray that prayer. But in this prayer, the sixth recipe is simply, lead me away, Lord, from anything. Anything. Porn. Angry words. Strife. Anything. That's set for me to fall into it where my heart, my father's heart is broken. Alcohol, drugs, lead me away from that stuff. The devil knows right where to take you to get you to sip again. Is anybody listening to me right now? Anybody talking to me? He knows exactly where you're weak and he has a strategy planned tomorrow to take you there. So that's why you pray today. I want protection. Lead me away from that stuff because I want to be free in Jesus. Anybody want to be free in Jesus? I want to be free in Jesus. I want to be free, not entrapped. Okay. So, folks, the bottom line with this teaching is there's power in prayer. And there should be no excuses, no excuses for us not to experience the power that Jesus had in prayer because he's the one that said, when you pray, pray like this. So what I'm going to do now is I want to take all of you through this prayer and teach you how to do it. From my heart to yours, because I love you more than you'll ever know. Pray like this. Would you all join me in prayer? Father, Abba, Daddy, you, you are so good and kind and wonderful and loving. Just spend a couple of seconds pondering how unconditionally gracious and merciful you are. And if we've screwed up, your arms are wide open and we can come home and feel your embrace, how much you love us. Thank you, Daddy, so but holy is your name, Daddy. <laughs> You're not like us. You're great and almighty and powerful. You control all of the universe with a single word. You can speak one word and everything in our lives will be solved. You control everything we control in nothing. And, and you're holy. Your name means Savior and you've forgiven us of your, our sins. Thank you for that. 
But help us to be holy as you're holy because if we have your name on our hearts, we want to be like you. Kingdom come, Father. Restore this world to original intent, Genesis 1 and 2. Solve the Syrian war crisis. Solve sex trafficking. Keep those little girls from being trapped all over the world into that wasteland of godlessness. Kingdom come to solve racism in this land. Help us to realize that you could care less about the color of the skin. You look at the heart. So should we. Help us to solve poverty. Use this church to help alleviate poverty in our city. Lord, I pray you'd heal somebody right now in Jesus' name. Your kingdom would touch their bodies and where sickness is ruling, your health would rule. In our personal lives, we continue, Lord, to pray that we would never have self-righteousness, that you would heal our marriages, that you would oversee what we eat and drink and how we live, our generosity, how much we give away. Oh, kingdom come to the world and to me. And Lord, bring souls to yourself. We pray for those who don't know you in our spheres of influence, bring them to yourself. And Lord, come back soon. <laughs> and if you choose not to, we'll be faithful to advance your kingdom until that day comes. We begin in prayer with you, Lord, and now we move to us second, our personal needs. Give us daily provision, food, money, clothes, whatever our needs may be on a daily basis, Lord, provide. You promised. We believe you will in faith. Give us daily pardon. Oh, Lord, the debt we owe you is impossible to repay. Thank you for paying it for us. And now we give to you those who've hurt us, partly because we want our prayers answered, but mostly because we know it's simply what you've commanded us to do. And, Lord, we pray for daily protection. Lead us away from all of those traps and ensnarements that the evil one has laid for us. Holy Spirit who lives in me, lead me only toward Jesus should I have become entrapped, deliver these people, Lord, today and set them free in the name of Jesus. And Lord, oversee our thought lives, what we do, how we act, where we go. Just lead us toward yourself. For you are great, merciful, kind in every possible way. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Then you should spend some time praising God. Would you do that now? Praise Him. To yours be the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. So be it. So be it. So be it in faith. In Jesus' name.